Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday. November the 29th, we are coming to the end of November. We've got two special guests that we're going to be bringing on talking about something that is also time sensitive. So I hope you guys pay attention to that. And uh, we're going to do our sponsors up front. I think that's what's going to happen today. We're going to talk about uh, the folks that we're really grateful to in this month of gratitude. Yesterday was Giving Tuesday. So hopefully you gave to something that you support. And we're going to cover down on a few people that you might be able to purchase something because it is the holidays coming on up. We have Christmas coming right around the corner. The first Sunday of Advent. My kids and I got into this like discussion the other day, whether Advent begins on the Sunday or the Saturday. And I guess it actually begins on the first day of December. That seems reasonable. Let's go ahead and launch into a couple of thank yous. And then we're going to get into our guests. And, uh, um, and folks, uh, we're going to have fun. Folks, yeah, fun. We got the echo again, Ryan. We, we got the, the echo, echo thing, again, Ryan. We got the echo thing. You got to fix it. Got to fix it. No. No. Done. All right, now we got it. So let's say uh, fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Four Patriots, the number four Patriots with an S on the end of it, dot com slash Kyle. You guys can get emergency preparedness options. Specifically, they've told me and they sent us some of their emergency food. Great options, but they also have all kinds of really cool, interesting kit and gear. If you're like me, you could pretty much spend all day on a website like this and be looking for things to pick up, whether it be rechargeable D cell batteries. What is that? I didn't even see that before. <laughs> USB rechargeable D cell batteries. You never know. You never know when you might need to go ahead and uh, to bump up your your, uh, your your old flashlights, like your mag lights, if you're running those. Uh, pretty neat idea. They've got all kinds of emergency foods. They've got the lemon bars, which is my favorite. Uh, they've got some of the other sort of 72-hour uh, packs. You can go into the three months, the one-year supplies, fire and forget type solutions. Check them out. They've got family-wide solutions for gear and food. If you're into it, for patriots.com slash Kyle. Check them out. Tell them we sent you. Use our promo code KYLE or just use that website. Also want to say thanks to our friends over at Catholic Vote, who I was just uh, discussing today. Apparently, there is another family that may have been targeted by the FBI as a radical traditional Catholic. We're going to get to the bottom of it and maybe try to help them out through Catholic Vote. If you guys haven't checked out The Loop, you are missing out. Go to CatholicVote.org, put in your email address, put in your zip code, and you can get The Loop like we did. Pretty interesting stuff on there today. There's some uh, church politics that are actually relevant to the world at large. There's a good story about New York police officers that are resigning in masks, and obviously, you can donate to support them as well. Just click the Give button on the top right-hand side, as Ryan has shown you, and there you go. Uh, lots of different options for monthly or one-time gifts if you want to support CatholicVote.org. I just saw someone tag me on Twitter about a uh, an ongoing and a new FOIA for all the uh, RTC, the Radical Traditional Catholic stuff, and Catholic Vote and Judicial Watch are already there. They've already done it. They're already in the process. They're already fighting through DOJ, and they've got the first batch of documents. So go ahead and support them if you guys are interested in that interesting fight. Uh, which seems to be targeting Christians at large, not just Catholics. It's not It's not specific to any denomination. And then lastly, our OG sponsor, who you guys know and love, our friends over at Patriot Coolers. Check them out at patriotcoolers.com. Use the promo code KYLE, which will get you 10% off. They are working on getting the back end. I'm the only person that's ever, I guess, asked them to send my little commission percentage over as a discount. So we're going to try to get a bigger discount there, and uh, it's going to take a little bit of work on their end because there's some logistical issues. But right now, promo code KYLE will save you 10%. It's a good cause. It's a, uh, it's a good company. They give money back to veterans for mobility issues. They help retrofit houses for people who have lost the ability to, to uh, move around in this country over in other countries, defending our freedoms. We really do appreciate the fact that they care about vets the way that we do. 
they give to a group that's called Homes for Our Troops, and they've given as much as $370,000 of their profits right over to a number of guys to be able to try to set their houses up for mobility. Good company. Again, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, makes it pretty easy. And without any further ado, let's bring on my guests here. Let's talk. Let's get rowdy. Let's talk about child trafficking. That's a good thing to talk about on Weird Wednesday. Uh, Aaron, Tara, welcome to the program again. It's good to see you guys. It's been a little couple days, I guess, since we saw you in Florida. Yeah, great to see you, Kyle. Thanks for having us on. And you got the pin. You're sporting the pin. It looks of great. Of course. I support I support my pin all the time. I dig it. And Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. How are you? I am doing outstanding. You had a difficulty with uh, counting to 10 earlier. Do you want to tell people why that would be? Is that uh, is that part of your residual Marine training? Well, yeah. I mean, if I'm holding a coffee cup, I can't use those fingers to count because I'm going to drop the cup. Right. Right. So it's just you deal with it. You start with the odds and then you somehow mix in the evens. Once you get two 10 numbers in total, that's still counting two 10. It's just not one through 10. Right. Have you ever thought about counting teeth and using your tongue just to kind of run along the tops? Uh, I have now. (laughs) Now it's going to trouble you for a long time. All right. uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be getting into a topic that is a little bit, um, maybe a little bit mundane in some ways because it is procedural, I think. But uh, the underlying issues are pretty ugly. Let's start with your basic stories. We've gotten a new audience since the last time we've spoken. It's been a little while since we had you guys on for Double Trouble. Um, raise, by raise a hand, who wants to go first? One of you guys probably, I know you guys do this this uh, routine all the time. <laughs> she, she says, Tara, go first. All right, Tara, okay. give yourself all the right. quick intro. Give me the bullet points. Tell people how it is that you came into the space, that you've started advocating this, and where you work right now, if you would, too. Sure, sure. Okay, so my name is Tara Rodas, and I've been a federal employee for more than 20 years. Um, Today, what I'm going to say, I'm speaking on behalf of myself and my experience with government gangsters at HHS, but my real job is with the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency. But again, I'm not speaking on behalf of my agency today. I need to make that clear. So your listeners may know that in 2021, the administration knew they had a crisis on the border. They made a call to all federal employees to leave their home agencies and go on detail to HHS, which is the Department of Health and Human Services, for the mission of taking migrant children into care of HHS, and they're unaccompanied. So these are the migrant children who are showing up at the border without family, and then taking into the care of HHS. Now, these are illegals, correct? These are illegal aliens that have presented themselves to Border Patrol. Yes, yes. Now, these are all children, you know, right, under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And the mission was, they said, family reunification, and that they would be putting these children with sponsors in the United States. And my husband's from El Salvador. I'm a Spanish speaker. And I thought, you know, no matter what politics people have, children should be protected. And so I'm a Spanish speaker. I've been to Guatemala, El Salvador, Mexico. And I thought, you know, I could play play games, do puzzles, color with the kids. And that's what I thought I was going to do. And as some of my friends joke, you know, they're like, ha, huh, you were on a unicorn going over a rainbow bridge. Because what I did not know, but came to discover, is that HHS, for more than a decade, has been trafficking children through this program. 
They are trafficked through a very sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country. Then once they're into the care of HHS, they are distributed in 10 to 14 days. That's the goal to sponsors, unvetted sponsors. Some are criminals, traffickers, and members of transnational criminal organizations that our federal dollars are paying the flights and bus tickets to, to deliver these children to criminals. And so that's how I, that's how I got here today, but it's all because of Aaron, because he's the one who revealed that it was members on the talk, the transnational organized crime watch list. And that really lit a fire under me, which uh, caused me to report, 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 report more. And they then did not like that very much. So I was escorted off the site by security and my badge was taken. They love that, by the way. They love that you report what's going wrong. That's the that's the government telling you how much mm-hmm. they appreciate oversight and that they really want to do the right thing in the right ways. As we continue to hear from all these uh, these secretary level people, these cabinet level posts, they're always letting you know they really take whistleblowers seriously. Has that been your experience, yeah. Aaron? Have you been taken very seriously in your job? They protected you, obviously. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the firing thing as a whole, obviously not. As far as the information, <laughs> I'll just hold it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so you lost your job over this. You're, you're, that's how you're suspendable. It turns out. Absolutely. Um, All right. Give me the bullet points. Give uh, people. Uh, let me just say this up front. Uh, we've done long form interviews with both these individuals and Aaron and I have done a second show on a totally different topic. I highly recommend you go back there. We didn't have the production value at the time. I didn't have a Ryan Matta running the studio setup in the background. However, the content, I think, is still of value to listen to, and it's it's as relevant today as it was then. But I'm going to give you uh, do a bullet points, uh, who you are, maybe go back at professional career, walk us up to it, and then how you decided to come out and blow the whistle, and uh, and then obviously the results of that, if you would. Yeah, so um, eight-year Marine enlisted, joined uh, right before 9-11, and got out in 2010. Yeah, I went to Iraq three times. I was an intelligence, all-source guy during that time frame. Uh, I contracted for two and a half years with DOD going to Afghanistan in 2012, 11, sorry, 2010, 11, and 12, became a Fed in 2012, and I was at DHS from 2012 to 2023 and I got fired. Um, worked on a lot of different programs. I've done uh, terrorism watches thing. I've done, you know, obviously written analysis and more tactical analysis. I've done strategic analysis, a lot of fraud-based stuff, and I was working on a program from its inception called the Transnational Organized Crime like Watches Program, and this is where... Uh, you, we literally have a program that can identify and track transnational organized criminals, which just means like basically international gangsters, cartels, those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2021, February, I came across the first encounter ever in where one of these watches the people was trying to sponsor one of these unaccompanied kids. And all of a sudden you see it very quickly is there's a pattern as far as the number of them, the volume of them, the rate of them. But on top of that, it wasn't just like one click of one gang. This was coming from it's a, like every country that we have gangsters in, basically. So El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, Romania. So it wasn't just a regional thing. This was a thing that was actually being utilized by sex traffickers. Um, I, of course, took it to work. Um, I went through that government process of trying to find someone you know whose job this is and didn't find anybody. So I got desperate enough to where the last thing I could do was take it to the media, which I did. 
Um, and let me let me just kind of hone in on what you just said there, because I think it's relevant. You're, we're throwing around terms that you and I are both familiar with, um, and you guys work in the space now, so it's very common to you. But let the audience miss what we're talking about. We're talking about transnational organized crimes, as you mentioned, uh, government gangster or not government gangsters, non-governmental agencies, gangsters, whether they be cartels, whether they be um, La Cosa Nostra was sort of the historical one. People can think of the mafias in various places, but organized crime exists, whether it be Russian mafia, whether it be Yakuza, whether it be in Romania and their sex traffickers. There's all these little uh, groups of people that are organized criminals. That is to say they are sophisticated businesses, but they operate in the criminal space. And you were watchlisting those people on this hand. And then you're also starting to see those people requesting to sponsor children on another hand. So you're seeing a, a new list. You're seeing flagged individuals from the talk side that are showing up on sponsorship requests for children. And that was the first red flag. And you said the first time you saw that was in early 21. What was the month? February 2021. So and to be very clear about this, mm -hmm. this is not Aaron just at USCIS. This was USCIS, the immigration people. Um, other en entities of DHS, which was CBP, ICE, and Intelligence and Analysis. You then had the Terrorist Screening Center, DOJ proper, FBI, State Department, Labor, Treasury. Um, and there are more as well, but it's like you're seeing like this was a lot of people. Like this was a Commerce lot of the government. Department was probably involved in there too, I have to imagine. Everybody's got, yep. everybody's got federal agents now. And so all these people are seeing it, but nobody wants to take it and say, this is my new problem. I'm going to address this. Is that correct? That is correct. Why do you think that is out of curiosity? Because usually building empires in government service is like sort of somebody's jam. If you're an SES or you want to grab a new program and build up and staff it and do all the kind of things, why do you suppose they didn't want to address this particular problem? The administration, because the National Intelligence Party Framework or the NIPF, this is the like the document that actually controls how the executive looks at, you know, what they want to collect on. Well, DHS INA, that's the actual intelligence agency or the intelligence community component. They produced um, and distributed an unclassified document in 2021 that set the standard and the priorities for what they want to collect on when it comes to international gangs. It's all guns and drugs. Nothing in the document, this collection primer, talked about human trafficking, child trafficking, anything like that. So this was a choice the Biden administration did. And then all the SESs, all the, all the ladder climbers, the career tracers, they're not going to force their own path and like, oh, this is a problem. I should look at this. They want to go like, oh, we care about this now. J6, you got it. And then you see what, of course, develops. Mm -hmm. so, so interesting enough, and Tara, I'm going to go to you in just one second here. But we did a show yesterday that was making fun of Miguel Cardona, who's at the education department. And he misphrased or paraphrased Ronald Reagan without any irony. He said the exact opposite of what Reagan intended. He said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Which is a very funny thing to say because anybody who lived through the 80s knows that that was the opposite of Reagan's sentiment. He said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. And so those words are the opposite of the instinct of this Biden administration. But very interestingly enough, what you're saying is because the administration, the Biden administration in this case, actually has the ability to prioritize whatever they want, and that's, that's a righteous thing, that's always been the case, they've decided that they do not want to prioritize child sex trafficking or child trafficking into labor. And because of that, nobody is willing to bite this thing off because they're not altruistic. They're not actually from the government here to help. They're actually here to just sort of serve the needs of whatever is in front of them. And that priority set, it turns out, doesn't include children. Am I misstating that in any way, shape or form? Not in one word. That is literally true. OK, mm -hmm. Tara, you, yeah. you've got some thoughts on this, too. You want to weigh in there? 
Yeah. Well, one of the things that was shocking to me is that most of the sponsors are illegal. So it would be very hypocritical of the administration to crack down on these transnational organized criminals who are also right aliens and have no legal presence getting these children. They don't want to highlight that because it highlights the fact that we have people coming across the border who have no legal presence. And so I have to say that was very stunning to me to think we are giving a child to a person. Now, the purpose of the process of this child going to someone here in the United States is for them to be able to go through their court process to be able to prove asylum and get legal relief. Now, if we're giving them to people who are here illegally and attempting to fly under the radar, what are the odds those people are actually going to get them through the legal process that they themselves could not do? So it doesn't pass the common sense test. So they definitely are trying to hide the fact that these children are going to criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Now, I will say there are a few good reporters out there who have documented the insane and horrific labor trafficking. They, they have, children have been killed on the job, nearly killed on the job. Right here in Virginia where I live, in the last month, a little boy, 14 years old, had was pulled, fortunately he survived, he was pulled into a Tyson chicken plant deboner. His arm was completely shredded. He is maimed for life, but because they took action quickly and airlifted him out, he didn't bleed out and die. So he is alive today, but this is what's happening to the children and they know it because even people in the New York Times disavow people in the new york times are reporting this <laughs> did you just so disavow the new york times yeah disavow disavow but <laughs> hannah dreyer i have to give her credit she has been documenting the horrific labor trafficking that has been going on children overnight shifts getting chemical burns children dying on their jobs falling off roofs because they're not qualified to do these jobs it's horrible what is happening to these children and it's unacceptable now the other thing, HHS admits 85,000 children are missing. 85,000. That's in two years. They have not yet published FY23. And I'm sure the reason they haven't published FY23 is because of this rule change we're going to talk to you about, because they don't want that number to eclipse 100,000, which it's going to do. So they lose one third of every child they take into this program. That's an F. There's no federal program that could exist with a failure rate of one third. But, you know, that's how it goes if you're with HHS. There's a couple of things I want to point out from what you just said. Uh, thing number one, the analogy for people to kind of gather of having illegal aliens sponsor uh, illegal alien children who have no place to go is kind of like going to a prison and taking convicted felons and saying, you're a convicted felon, we'd like to put you in charge of the Boys and Girls Club programs in order to help kids avoid felony. 
Not people who are rehabilitated, by the way, people who are actually still serving time and saying, hey, we'd like you as people who know about felonies to tell these kids not to be involved in felonies. The idea that you would have that as being your mentor program is sort of absurd on its face to most people. That's kind of the situation we have. We have people that are have no legal status in this country taking in people who have no legal status in this country and then hoping maybe that they will uh, either do one of two things, show up in court and do it the right way or disappear forever so we never have to worry about them because it's embarrassing. And it sounds like the latter is what you guys are saying is going on. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that number of most, we're talking like 90% and higher are legal aliens. It's not a plurality. It's not a majority. It is the overwhelming like amounts of people. 90% and higher are legal aliens. Are the sponsors. Mm-hmm. Correct. Oh, that's wild, huh? Yeah. yeah. That seems like an awful lot of people. Can we talk about, too, the movement of the word trafficking? I, when I was a kid, we would have called this sex slavery or or just slavery, like labor slavery, forced labor. And for some reason, this word trafficking seems to be it, it's in vogue. It kind of conjures up. I, I feel like it's a sanitized version of what's really happening. Do either of you have an instinct of when that shifted or why that shifted? So I don't know, because I've been thinking about that, because it is more accurate to say, you know, slave labor, sex slaves. It, that's way more accurate and, and, and true. But there is an element of trafficking, which is what makes it, I think, very unique. And that is how you actually get the kit itself. Right. And this is a very, very important part about it. I mean, Tara, actually, you're better at describing this. Can you please just give the uh, definition for it? Sure. So trafficking involves three key elements, which is force, fraud, or coercion. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, I can give you a real case we worked on. There's a guy in Austin, Texas. He's from Guatemala. He was attempting to sponsor simultaneously four children that he was not related to. One was at our site, the Pomona Fairplex emergency intake site, and three of those children were at the Pecos site in Texas. What he did was, is he has a coffee farm back in Guatemala, his home country. He had those boys working on his coffee farm in Guatemala for $2.50 a day. So his lure, his force fraud coercion, right? His lure is you make the journey and I'm going to pay for it you know, you're special. I'm going to give you a job when you get here to Texas and I'm going to pay you $6 an hour. So these children, some of whom cannot read, cannot write, have never been to school a day in their life, know that going from $2.50 a day to $6 an hour could potentially make them Elon Musk rich. And so that is that force, fraud, or coercion. Mm -hmm. And then they're smuggled here, right, by the person who's here in the United States helping to pay that journey. And then the children are in debt bondage. They've got to pay the debt off. And so they're forced into slave labor. And if your listeners have not seen Trafficked in America, Trafficked in America, it's free. And this was about the 2014 trafficking of children in using this exact same program in HHS and how they kept them in slave labor conditions, threatened their family, took the deeds to their property and home country, um, were telling them that they were going to put a bullet in their parents' head if they didn't continue to work 12 hours a day. They were all living in a trailer, which did not have a toilet. It had a bucket. And so if you watch Trafficked in America free on YouTube, which 
not sure I support that either. But anyway, free on YouTube. <laughs> um, you will see the actual trailer that these boys were living in and and the conditions, the horrible conditions they were working in. You answered my, my next question, which is what does that coercion look like? And it sounds like they're going to seize deeds in a home country where laws are going to be a little bit less lawless or less lawful. They've got the ability to, to, to threaten whether or not anybody could ever validate it or not that they were going to kill a parent. Nobody even like if you're a kid, you don't know if that's a real possibility. That's the, that's the hardest thing to, to think about is that we're not dealing with developed minds. We're dealing with juveniles and juveniles have all kinds of interesting fantasies about the way the world works. So whether or not that person has the ability or the willingness to go and shoot somebody in a home country, the, the threat remains. And this is kind of one of the things that I keep telling people. This is something that I experienced in a different way when I was working federal cases against uh, either MS-13 or some of the other sort of uh, TOCs, the Transnational Organized Criminal Organizations in the, the Washington, D.C. area. And you guys both know what I'm talking about. There's a compassionate argument against this because I feel like this is what we run up against. Maybe you guys could comment on this as well. I'll, I'll, I'll weigh in after. How about that? But the 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 argument is that that liberals or leftists are going to say is that these people deserve as much of a potential future as anybody else. Why would you not let them come to our country? Like, aren't you mean? Isn't there a meanness kind of argument that's being made about this? Um, yes. Yes. Okay, Aaron, you go first. Okay. Uh, No, because we are putting them into these positions and these this whole thing, and you can go with this like numerous ways. We know this. Migrant communities go with migrant communities, right? That's why you have like Greek Town in Chicago and Chinatown in New York, right? It's very logical. So when these migrant communities move to let's say Herndon, Virginia, guess what follows them? MS-13, 18th Street Gang. The recruitment still happens. The extortion still happens. All those things still occur. There is no change. The only thing that occurs is, well, the virtue I get a signal as an open borders advocate. Oh, we we are now rescuing these asylum seekers who aren't even seeking asylum first off. And it just it's lie on top of lie, obviously, but there is no like good outcome for this. Yes, yeah, some people might make it. I, I'm sorry, but I'm not willing to sacrifice, you know, kids getting raped just because someone might open a nice restaurant. You know what I mean? It's like it never actually weighs out to a net benefit. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to say. If anybody actually could sit down and read the SASIRs, which are sexual assault significant incident reports, just against children, children, they would never, ever support an open border. What happens to these children in route is unspeakable horrors. And some are literally raped to death, to death, because they're small. And this is, this is an evil that people just do not fully grasp. And Kyle, there are days that I wish I didn't know this. Because again, I had no idea when I said, here I am, send me, I'm going to go help this program that these things were happening to children. And just, it was less than two weeks ago, I I had the privilege to be an event where Tom Homan was there and he shared about a 20 month old, a 20 month old who had been sexually assaulted, abused in every orifice. Mm -hmm. This is what open borders have produced. And it's not just the children. Anybody can read. I mean, anybody who makes the journey, men and women, are being raped multiple times. I don't think people, they don't get it or they choose to ignore it. Mayorkas says, let's make sure 
that we appropriately gender people at the border? Well, how about we focus on how, how many times they've been raped, who has AIDS now, who has syphilis now, who needs surgery now, what children have to be in diapers, little boys have to be in diapers because they've been raped so much. Come on, let's get with the program. There's nothing humanitarian about what's going on. Just read a little bit and you'll be horrified for many years. Yeah, any of these stories are pretty, they're, they're so awful that they almost seem like a, like a dark fantasy that they can't be real because it's so horrific to imagine that other human beings are operating that way. I'm going to add a little bit of color to what you guys just said because I think this this it's not just children that are that are victims in this as you just mentioned. And moreover, that that argument of we just want to bring people here, we just want to make them safe, we just want to give them an opportunity that they wouldn't have somewhere else. My experience seeing that is that all you've done is you've taken them from a captive victim in a crappy country and then you've moved them out of everything they know. You've allowed them to be taken away from all their family and all the things they know, the languages that they're familiar with, the customs and the way that things operate, whatever, however bad those may be. And you've given them this, this shiny lure of coming to America where it's going to be free and everything will be great and uh, the streets are paved with gold, the five all goes west kind of mentality of, of idealism. And then you get there and you realize that it actually looks like Casa de Maryland, which is a crap hole area outside of Washington, D.C., on the, the north side in, in Maryland. And you go there and it's like, it's run by MS-13. You've brought in uh, maybe 99 people that were looking for a better life and one predator. And that one predator is able to keep all 99 of those people in check and extort them for money, for all their hard work, whatever it is. And they don't set up a nice restaurant that nice people get to go to and enjoy that are American. What they do is they set up a little like mobile bodega that's basically beer and chips coming out of a minivan that they were able to scrape some money together and buy. And they go to Costco and then they turn around and sell it to their to their uh, you know compatriots in this crappy neighborhood. And then they have to give some of their profits every single week or every single month to the MS-13 extortion people. And if they don't, somebody dies. And then at the end of the year, somebody dies anyway, just because they want to enforce their power. So there is no escape. The only difference is, is now they don't know how to get in touch with law enforcement. They don't have any family members they could go and shelter in. They don't have the language skills to go and run off into the wide pieces of America and disappear. So they're trapped now in a new prison that's even scarier and more isolated. And, and I think that's the thing. I'm curious, uh, Tara, when you went to Pomona, you raised your hand, you said, you know, send me. Uh, you're asking for, for volunteers and I'm, and I'm one, did you have a more maybe sympathetic, a more compassionate, a more left leaning sensation? I know you're pretty conservative in general, but did you have more of a, a sympathy towards what the political left says at that time than you do today? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they said this is family reunification and I think I'm going to help put children in loving homes and there were people opposed to that. I thought, hey, look, no matter what side you're on, we have to support the children. And of course, my eyes were sadly open to something that I wish I had never seen, except for the fact that now I get to, along with other brave people like Aaron and Deb and Carlos and Myra, I get to stand up and be a voice for these children. But yeah, I thought that, I thought, you know, people need to maybe put themselves in check and these are kids. But now that I see the horror of what's going on and that is that it is by design, the system is by design to bring these children here. It's a horrible revelation. You've got kind of a bullet point you always share about government-sponsored uh, child sex trafficking or you probably have, say the line, I know you know it. <laughs> yeah, it's government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded mm -hmm. child trafficking because you're paying for it. 
and it's billions of dollars a year. So the Pomona Fairplex, that was a $700 million contract for six months of work. Now that only was to Cherokee Nation, Cherokee Federal. So they're getting $100 million a month to move kids, to process the children through the site. But then you have MVM, which is Carlos Ariana, the other um, whistleblower who's been on your show, Mm -hmm. which people should go back and watch that show. It was stunning. Um, Then Carlos delivers them. And that contractor is making hundreds of millions of dollars. So any one emergency intake site for a six-month pop-up site that they do, it can be almost a billion dollars. And what's the result? Yeah, that's incredible. What's the result? The results are children are going to MS-13 members, 18th Street gang members, Russian Balkan crime syndicates. It's insane. Their children are going to people they don't know. That's the result. So no, they get an F. And, and more importantly, less people, and, and we fleshed this out in some of the earlier interviews, so once again, I, I will tune people back to that. You can go through the site. Rumble search is not fantastic for doing it, but if you type in either of these names, you will see them on our channel. And what I would encourage you to say is that th- there's a component that blows people's mind. The United States government is actually part of the transnational organized crime syndicate's logistical plan. We're part of their business model. And that was the thing that when you said it to me, I was like, of course, that makes sense. But the idea that the United States government, that the federal government, which we're paying for, actually is part of their plan. It's the same thing as if you have uh, our friends, you know, like the O'Boyle family sweatshop, which is swing, you know, slinging out the merch that we've got. You know, the United States Postal Service is part of their business plan, right? You have a logistical chain. It's got to have a delivery mechanism. And that the U.S. government is sort of the final mile well, it's actually the last two steps, it seems like. Number one, it's the border to to processing center, and then it is exporting them from the processing center on these private flights like we talked about with Carlos. They are individually delivering them to these homes of people that have no legal right to be here, that have no citizenship. They don't have a parolee status. They don't have a work option, and they are literally living sort of under the uh, – they're outside of the, uh, the the system that we've set up as, as civilized society. Pretty shocking stuff. Um Aaron, you lost your job over all this stuff. Can you talk about the decision that went into it if you ever had and if you would do it again? Uh, I would absolutely do it again. Uh, the one, the difference would be, honestly, probably when I did the because uh, I whistle blew like three times. The first one that was about this, the child trafficking, I would have, I would not have gone in the shadows. I was afraid to lose my job. Um, looking back on it, I would not have done that at all. I would have worn my name tag, you know. Um, but as far as doing it again, yeah, absolutely, because it's it's worse than i thought like again when i when i did this and i'm looking at bad guys this is how i come across it there's a watch list of bad dudes and i'm staring at these these bad dudes and i can see this little tiny thing right well i did a little model of how many border crossings there were how many kids are coming across how many watches did criminals there are it's just like man there this must be more like a couple hundred kids this must be like maybe 900 to maybe 1200 like sponsors are actually bad guys here and then when i talked to tara this is about over, this is, so I blew the whistle in 2021. I met Tara December, 2022. When I came across this, you know, about a year later and I listened to her explaining this thing, I'm like, this is more like in the thousands. Like this is actually a lot bigger than I realized. And I started making phone calls and, you know, just started doing stuff. And I started realizing of other insiders and whistleblowers, this is in the tens of thousands. You know, this is before they came out with that number of 85,000 missing kids. And one of the people I talked to, she said, 
just straight up, like I would say about 35% of these kids are getting trafficked, like minimum, but I would check three quarters of these cases at, at least. And I'm like, so you're telling me that just if you had to put your mortgage on this as a bet, you would say 33% of these kids are trafficked. She goes, yeah, without a doubt. And so that made me understand like, wow, I really had no idea how big this thing was. So of course I would do it again. Um, I just be, I wouldn't be so patient when it comes to like, you know, relying on the government to tell me it was 85,000 know, missing kids and it was, oh, it's this, this, this. I wouldn't be so patient accepting the lies that are put out to form this narrative so it can keep going. Because this is a really important thing too. We, we are not the first whistleblowers on this program about child trafficking. Mm-hmm. And by this program, I mean the Uncompanied Child Program. In 2013, information got to Congress about the Marion Egg Farm um, in Ohio, uh, the Marion, Ohio Egg Farm, of child trafficking. That was a, the thing in Chaffers uh, in America. In 2014, the Senate wrote a report about child trafficking in this program. In 2015, Jason Piccolo, DHS employee turned whistleblower about child trafficking in the unaccompanied child program. In 2016, a Senate hearing brought in HHS and the director of ORR, and they did their little yell at them, you know, hey, what's going on? Oh, we don't know. And that was in 2016. Okay. This has been happening for a decade. So again, I just, I wouldn't be so uh, diplomatic. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I know you have religious icons behind you. We've talked about religious faith. I, um, and uh, Tara, I know that you have a religious education background, that you have, a, I think, a master's in theology, if my memory serves, my yep. mental dossier. How much did your faith play into this? And here's the thing, folks, lest you become completely blackfilled, we're going to give you some action items and things you can do. People are asking in the chat, you know, can we sponsor a children, a child, children? Can we sponsor some of these children? Can we get on the list? What does that involve? I'd love you guys to respond on that. But first, let's start with, you know, does your faith, is that part of the thing that motivated you? And there are other people of faith. Why are they not speaking? Everyone always wants to know, why not more? Okay, um, why not more? The job is very comfortable and it, the the profession breeds uh, a type of people that will do what they're told, right? And that's just, it's just the nature of the beast. It's a very, very comfortable job. You get a lot of money, you get a lot of time off, great benefits. So it's very easy to, you know, to look the other way, basically. I did for a long time. Faith. I was an atheist up uh, from 2010 to about 2020. And I was, you know, full on, like, you know, don't believe it. I would argue with people, yada, yada, yada. Um, I started seeing all the lies in 2020 and they kind of like, I started thinking about things differently going forth, whatever come February, 2021. I'm still like not going to church. I'm not a, you know, I don't understand things yet. Doing all these things has brought me back. I mean, you can see it. I'm baptized now. I, you know, divine liturgy every Sunday. I pray every day. Um, I'm, this is what's basically saved me. There's no way I could be doing this without the grace and protection of Christ without, I mean, just, it's all things through God, right? And that's that's been my take on it. So without, you know, without that, there's no way I'd be where I'm at today. And, Either and- as doing this or even being able to mentally and spiritually take it, I'd be depressed, I'd be alcoholic, who knows, right? But this right here is the way. I, I just want to dig into that just a little bit further. If, if you're open to sharing a little bit of your personal story, I, and I know less of it than I feel like I should. I, I, you had some really wild setbacks happen in your personal life, and yet you still are able to push forward on that. Do you want to share any of that at all? I, I won't blame if you don't. No, no, it's okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I got, like any war vet, right? Divorce. <laughs> um, I've lost a lot of friends, uh, both in combat and to suicide. So it's like, there's a lot of that. 
obviously major everyone's got family problems so i won't even talk about those things but um i won't specify who but the day after i was notified that i'm losing my job uh i'll just say somebody who's extremely close to my children uh had a major medical episode and that person did end up dying uh, this past year and my kids are also now again baptized we you know very religious people we go to church a lot we, we are in it uh that has been the only thing which can not only like hold us together but like carry us like every day i always pray like god i'm in your hands and i trust you and it's it's hard to explain it because they're my kids and i get really emotional about it but like the strength they have like with what they have to go through it's just like i'm weak like compared to my kids it's like i don't know how they do it but that strength comes from again embracing christ his love his commandments all that it's everything you know and um i'm just i'm grateful for it just to restate that your your loss of your job and blowing the whistle on this thing and exposing the the, the evil that exists has actually been a force to save you i think that's just like, i mean it's so poetic you never know how these things are going to work uh tara same kind of questions same kind of experience you want to share with uh, what your faith did that motivated you Sure, sure. Well, I was very fortunate that I was almost graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary with my master's in theology when I mobilized. So I literally had to take a semester off of school and graduate uh, the following semester. So I was very fortunate that I had come to the Pomona Fairplex with the light of truth, because two weeks in, I realized that this is the closest to darkness that I have ever been. And every day, I, I quoted Isaiah 41.10, I will be with you, I will strengthen you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There was no way that I could have survived what I saw and the stories from the children, hearing the children screaming for their parents. I, I am not ashamed to say, I cried more at the Pomona Fairplex and since with just such a broken heart over what happens to children. If I did not have my faith to rely on to know that one day all things will be made new and that one day all justice will be served, I, I couldn't continue on. Like Aaron, uh, without knowing that Jesus is guiding us every single day, I, I probably would need meds. Uh, I don't know how people can look at the truth of the world and see the horror of the world and deny the beauty of Christ and what he offers and what he brings. And so that's the only thing that, that kept me sane and keeps me sane today. And so I'm very grateful. And there were people on the site like saying, Tara, shh, don't say anymore. You know, if you keep talking and you keep reporting these cases, you're going to get kicked off this site. And I said, you know, I don't know what your worldview is. I said, but what I know for certain is that one day Jesus is going to return. I'm going to be held accountable for what I know. These are his children. I will not be silent knowing they are being abused. How can I stand asking for forgiveness and grace if I'm not willing to give it. And so it motivated me every day to know I was doing the right thing by standing up for the children. Jesus was very clear, you know, better to have a millstone around your neck than to harm one of these little ones. And 
that that was the thing that sustained me, that gave me the courage to continue to walk on because I knew it was God's mission. And even though I thought I was going there to color, I do believe when God put it on my heart to apply for the mission and go be chosen and go there, that he did have his mission. It's very different from mine. Mm -hmm. I never intended to be a whistleblower. I didn't want my face known by people. Right. You know, you've got the government gangsters who are after you and you've got the cartels after you. I mean, it's just not, you know, that was not my plan. But God had a plan and he gave me every day the grace to walk it out. Looking in that rear view, we we get a glimpse of what the plan might be from sort of the human experience of it. We can't really other, you know, necessarily know that that's what the plan is, but it appears to be that plan. And what I'm struck by, and maybe you guys have the same experience, but you've met, I've met all of you. I've met uh, all of you in person now. I think I've met George Hill. I've met Garrett O'Boyle. I've spent time with Steve Friend. I've spent time with each of you, Sony Labosco, and all of the suspendables, people that we've we've branded under this this thing that we made up as a joke, as a joke to, to kind of make fun of the situation we were in. It literally came from me and Steve Friend, and I think he just covered it on his podcast on Saturday, that it started off as an idea that we were going to create a mercenary company of a bunch of former FBI agents who got suspended forever. And it was like, okay, we'll be like the expendables, but we're the suspendables because you just took our job and our paycheck. And, and Aaron, I know you were suspended forever as well, just the same way. The funny thing to me, or maybe the, the quirky thing, or maybe just the uh, the serendipitous thing, the, the sign of providence in, in the world is that every single person, nobody wanted a public life. Nobody was an Instagram model. Nobody was somebody that was out there trying to get news media hits. They weren't running around and shopping their story to anyone. In fact, every single one of us, I think, were very private and had no interest in public attention. And yet, when given the opportunity to do the right thing, did the right thing, and then moreover, became a very good vessel of communicating that message on a mass media. Each of you are very good at telling people, and we all get better, obviously, we all get better every day, but each of you have gotten very good at articulating your side of the story to show a little bit of light on the evil that exists in this world at great personal cost to yourselves because, like I said, nobody wanted to be public. Do you have any thoughts on how that got, how, like how how bizarre is it that we found ourselves in a world where each of you, now we're sitting on a, on a, on a uh, you know, a live teleconference with with thousands of people watching and and you have the words that need to be shared at that time. Aaron, it looks like you've got a you've got it kind of churning underneath. Yeah. So, I mean, especially when you sit, when you put it like that with the the rearview mirror. Okay. And by the way, I've only gotten better because you've given me a, a ton of a ton of points and a ton of like Aaron, like dude, calm down, stop fidgeting. Like uh, Kyle, thank you very much. But what you just said the way though with the rearview mirror, yes, because you know this started for me back in February 2021, right? And up until July, it was only me and one journalist of Project Veritas that were like looking at this, talking about this, investigating it, going through it all, right? And then, bam, August happens. Cool. Now it's out there. And, you know, 910 was like, well, the American people need to know about this, but also like throw a flag in the air. Like, come on, someone's got to see this thing, right, guys? And I didn't know it, but there was three women in Pomona, California, Tara, Rodas, Debbie White, Myra Moreno. They were all there. They all saw it. And they were seeing it even prior to the video, of course, too. But it, you know, it helped. And so I don't know these things. So now I'm going through life, you know, and then also like, you know, another whistleblowing thing, the investigation starts, threat of my job, blah, blah, blah. I'm living life now, right? And then I meet, um, now I'm going to get fired. And then I meet um, Tara. And first it was actually when her video dropped in November, 2022, um, I called my journalist and I was just like, dude, please tell me 
Like, this is what we started like a year and a half ago. Like, please tell me this came from what we did. And he was like, yeah, bro, I just want to talk to you like really badly too. <laughs> so I got the number. Um, I called Tara and you know, we talked for like by a good half hour or so, give or take. And um, I've, I'm starting to cry again right now. Um, I started breaking down really badly, like in tears. And I cried like really hard because it was like all that pain I went through and like carrying it and just being like, okay, well, that was all for nothing. It was like, nope, because now there's this. And then it was like, oh, awesome. Like that was actually really cool. And then when I went to go meet Tara at that turning point thing where I met you too, Kyle, um, when I was, you know, I was leaving, going back home and I was just like, kind of like processing the whole weekend and everything she said. And I was at the point where I was like, okay, well, you know, I've done this now. This is, you know, I did the thing I need to do in life. Cool. I'm going to just be a dad and like, go be a garbage man. Like that's, that was my dream job as a kid. Right. And then hearing everything she said, it was like, there's no way in hell I can do that. Like that is so selfish of me to just think like, you know, okay, go, go live life knowing all these things and do nothing about it. And, um, it hasn't been at all as hard as I thought it was going to be, because again, it's those, it's those things that happen. And then you look in that river mirror and you're like, Oh, that's what you're doing. God. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I'll continue. My bad. So it's, that's, it's that's like what that, a vocation is. Yeah. It comes, it comes from the Latin voco or was it vocare to call, right? A calling. You don't, you don't really get to ignore that. If you do, you kind of go crazy. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, even though it seems like the thing you're being called to do is probably worse and harder than anything that you would want to do, you also find yourself strengthened in ways that are unexpected. And uh, and Tara, you're part of that story too. That's that's very interesting to me. You have any reflection on on when Aaron's? I know you guys have shared this story over and over again, but it continues. I think it always opens up just a little bit more every time you look at it from a different angle. Yeah. And I would say that me too, looking in that rear view mirror, I'll never forget the day that I saw Aaron's video. I had never heard of Project Veritas, but I saw what he showed. How did you even find it then? I mean, that's the other question. Somebody, somebody gave it to me because we had people on the site who were looking for local news just in our group. They were looking for local news. The, regarding the program, because we knew trafficking was going on. So we would see like police uh, bust into this place and they find two unaccompanied minors, you know, in a one room apartment and there's 43 other adults. We were seeing stuff. So we had some people who were looking for news and somebody sent that to me. And I remember just being so stunned. I will never forget that moment. I was in the case management room, which we had hundreds of case managers in there. And it was like the world stopped. I was like, I am, this is, this is even worse than I thought. Because like I said, my husband's from El Salvador. And when I saw that they were giving the children to known 18th street gang and MS 13, I'm like, what heartless evil people am I dealing with here? So that caused me to reach out to more, you know, through more protected pathways. Because remember, I started reporting in June of 2021. And because of the career that I have, I knew how to stay in protected channels. But I started really like, whoo, I was like walking the line as to how, how far out there I could send the information. But looking back now, to realize that, that just by obeying what God said, you know, tell the truth. Then that flag comes in the air and he's showing truth. 
And then it's just like everything just happened and he guided it all. And, and it was, and that's how I feel now, instead of having this idea, yep, God's walking with me. I know that I'm not in crisis. I mean, most of our lives were not in crisis. I feel like since the day I got to the Pomona Fairplex and realized children were being trafficked, there's a level of horror and just, God, please help the children that it's a daily, sometimes moment by moment, God, give me the words, give me the right thing, connect me to the right people. Like we put in our chat the other day, God, help us find the one person who wants to get this message out so we can reach the 85,000 comments on the federal register. Help us do that. So it's, you know, it's God is it's obvious he's with us every moment instead of like, yeah, once every two weeks when you have a problem. Nope. It's a, it's a moment by moment thing. So it's amazing how God works. Something just occurred to me too. Um, You talked about, you guys were looking for news because, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but my guess is you're all sitting there. You're all seeing something happen and you you're thinking to yourself, because this is what everyone does. This is the most natural human instinct. Somebody else must be seeing this. Somebody must be doing something about this because it's not my job. It's somebody's job. Whose job is it? Are they doing the thing that needs to be done? And I'm looking for evidence that, in fact, it is happening. But in many ways, what we're doing is we're looking for a way to say, this isn't my problem. I know it's there, but like somebody else has got to be handling this. It's the same thing as looking across the street and finding out that some guy is tuning up his kids every day or beating his old lady. And so, you know, someone is beating that poor woman to death. But uh, it's not my job. I mean, somebody obviously must have called 911. This is the Kitty Gervaisa thing that happened in New York. It's that instinct of, of human beings to go, I see that it's happening, but this is somebody else's problem. How can I make sure? Sh- I just want to confirm that somebody else is doing it. And as you guys did that, number one, you found out that, yes, somebody had done something about it. But there's a, a quote from a guy named Saul Bellows that I, I remember it was on a toilet book, literally a book that we kept on the back of our toilet when I was a kid. It was just a bunch of famous quotes and smart things that people had, had said that stuck with me. And this is one that stuck with me probably since I was 12 or 13 years old. And he said, uh, when we ask for advice, we're usually looking for an accomplice. And in many ways, by looking for that news story, you're looking for advice. You're looking for someone to be that accomplice. And and I think the answer that we're, we're coming to, the three of us here as we talk, is that you have to be the person who who goes and does the thing, the accomplice will actually come to you. If you step out and act boldly, which is initially what Project Veritas actually built itself on before they went, you know, uh, debunk at this point. But the idea was that if you act boldly and you go do the thing that you are supposed to be, God will provide you with that backup. You don't know who it's going to be, and it's probably going to get really hard before it gets easy. But it, when you look back after enough time, you'll go like, of course, that's who came to my aid. Steve Friend wanted to see a suspendable moment where he was going to say, you know, I see this problem with the way we're going after J6ers and I'm going to speak up and then a bunch of people from the FBI are going to stand up. That didn't happen. But what did happen is the minute that he went public with his story, the same moment that Miranda Devine was on uh, Tucker Carlson talking about this brave FBI whistleblower saying that there were some abuses of power was the same day that Dan Bongino started reading my name on his his podcast and saying that I would be joining him for a two-hour special. We'd already put it in the can. But those things must have happened simultaneously. The stories and the interviews he was giving to the story that I was giving to Bongino at the same time, we didn't know each other. We didn't know that there was going to be someone there. We both had to act independently. And it turns out, you know, within a few hours, we were connected. And, and I've spoken to him every day for the last year and change. And And you guys are in the same boat. It's one person acted bravely. The the accomplice came. You were looking for advice. You decided to do the right thing anyway. The accomplice shows up. That's God providing. Very, very interesting. 
Um, rather than us go down that rabbit hole, which we could probably do all day long, I want you to give action items because that's why you guys asked to come and talk. And I'm, I'm more than happy to share those with you. You've alluded to it. Tell people they want to know what they can do. There are some tangible things that are small, maybe some tangible things that are big. Uh, Tara, first, if you would start referring people to the small actions and then bigger actions if they exist. Okay, yes. So the thing, and it's a small thing, is we need people to go to truthtrench.org backslash defend the children. And they're... I'm going to let Aaron explain the site, but it's going to be a simple copy and paste of comments into the Federal Register. And as you're looking at this site right now, thanks, Kyle, for bringing it up. Here's what I want people to know. HHS is aware of the problems. They know that trafficking has been going on for more than a decade. They have 85,000 children missing that they will admit to. And every day, children are calling a hotline saying, I'm being abused, neglected, trafficked. You would think they would say, oh my goodness, we need to change our program. Well, guess what they decided to do instead? They decided to try to pass a rule change, which is what this is about right here, this true truth trench, to make it easier to traffic the children. In this, what Aaron is gonna explain to you, HHS, instead of doing the right thing, they did the most horrific thing possible. They are now going to make it that a case manager can't even ask the sponsor how many children they've sponsored, which is one of the number one trafficking indicators. If someone has sponsored 42 children, somebody should ask why, right? They're also making it, they're doing like a preemptive whistleblower dampening. They're making it so that you can't call law enforcement if you suspect a child is being trafficked. So child endangerment, shh, you can't tell anyone but HHS. We're now making so Aaron, it a rule that you can't go outside of it, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. So Aaron, why don't you walk people through the site? Because we got five days and we need people to make comments. Perfect. Yeah, so let's talk deep state. Um, the administrative state exists as an ability to you know, govern themselves, right? And so as we've said previously, Congress has been known about this. They've been aware of this problem. They've had their hearings. They've had the reports for going back a decade. Congress has no authority in this process. So please don't bother calling or emailing or writing them until December 5th. The deadline for this is 11.59 p.m. on December 4th. In this time frame, you are still in what's called the comment period. So HHS published a rule change, and they wrote a 296-page document which is going to discuss how they are going to codify into law all these practices that lead to the trafficking stuff. And so some of these practices, for example, the waiver of background checks, the waiver of home studies, the ability to, you know, identify certain people as the relationship to the child based on whatever documents, all of these measures that they've created themselves, they're going to become law via the administrative state. So, in this time frame, the people are had the chance to make comments on it. So me and some other people, we went through this document of 296 pages, and we went as fast as we could because our intent was this has to be published as fast as it, as it can. And we came up with 94 comments for people to copy and paste. And so if you scroll down a little bit further to the part where it says table of contents, this is where like the real meat and potatoes is or are. So yeah, we broke it down in comment one through 10, 11 through 20, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So off to the right, there's a little gray box and it says copy. If you click that copy button, you're gonna copy the entire thing you're about to comment to the Federal Register. 
and this is why it's important. Uh, register the comments into that site, the Federal Register. They have to be um, they have to meet a certain standard. You can't just go inside there and be like, "You guys traffic kids. I hate you. Don't do this anymore." They they don't have to look at that one. They'll ignore it. But if you actually write to policy and if you quote the policy and thing along with the reason why it's bad, you can discuss the nature of why it should be you know whatever. So this comment in the first one is just that's the one I came up with, which was okay. Like clearly, you guys have not just talked with anybody in the talk working group as a way to identify traffickers that are known to the US government. Therefore, like you guys will continue this, you know, this trafficking operation. So every single comment has a copy button and every single comment has a URL. When you open that URL, and I recommend doing that into a new tab. So like right click new tab. And all you have to do now is welcome to the federal register is you, uh, I'll let you do that one. There we go. And all you do now is you paste it into that comment box from here. And there's, yeah, the comment box where it says comment right there. Perfect. You paste it, you're done. Scroll down and there's three ways you can identify yourself. The best way is anonymous because it's quicker and you don't need to tell who you are to the government. And then you're done. I got to do now is do the, I'm not a robot. And at the very bottom, there's a submit button and you've just submitted a comment to stop this rule change from taking effect. And so, how many people have done this? Well, we've had over half a million people see this campaign as a whole. We're under 30,000 comments right now. And if we get, uh, what was the math here? 232 people to leave all 94 comments. So if 292 people have a VPN and invest three hours of a day, we'll get to 50,000 comments. We've seen rule changes get stopped because of that amount. We're aiming for 85,000 for every kid that we know has been trafficked, but there's no limit. So if um, 4,332 people make five comments and take five minutes out of their day, we will hit that 50,000 number. And we have an actual ability to stop what they're doing. So it's like looking for an accomplice. It's like, yeah, kind of need you right now because um, we're paying for this. And they, this is our big take on it too. And again, sorry to go back to our you know reasoning on this one, but this was not a parable. Jesus Christ said, Render to you know Caesar what is Caesar's and give back to God what is God's. We just can't justify that the government owns kids. Sorry. Like this is just not something we're okay with. These kids do not belong to Caesar. They belong to their parents. And because of the way that they're stolen, because of the way of the of the fraud, the force, the coercion, we just have to stop this program from existing. And this is the first way in which we're gonna do so. I want to comment again about the website for people to be able to walk through it. I'm gonna say it one more way. There are instructions on the website. I'm watching the chat as it goes through, as you were explaining. There are instructions. They are step one, step two, step three, and exactly what to do, as you just articulated. So people don't need to have uh, the, the podcast in their ear in order to follow it. They can literally go to the website, which I have sitting up here. Step one, click the copy button. Note, you are going to be top copying the text in the quote box below. There are 94 different comments, which the number one difficulty when you go and do comments on this, it doesn't matter if it's an ATF rule change or whether you're dealing with a procedural thing like this for HHS. What we are trying to do is you are trying to have a comment that has value that can be looked at as constructive or articulate criticism of what they are proposing. And you guys have done all the background work and you've done all the difficulty of it. So people can read comments one through 94 and find one that resonates with what they want to say, or they can do all of them if you're so inclined. If you want to spit time and put all 94 comments out there, God bless you for doing so. But these guys, uh, Aaron and the people that he's working with here at Truth Trench, have done the hard work of writing up the actual information. And all you need to do 
is be able to articulate that you're going to copy it, you're going to paste it, and then you're going to move on. You can do it anonymously, no big deal. The government doesn't have time to go and look into who you are. That's not what's relevant. What's relevant is, are there constructive criticisms? Are they saying things of relevance? And you have already put those out there for people to do it. So if you want to know something you can do, you can put your time into this. That's meaningful. And then the second thing you can do uh, you can one, you can give us a like on Rumble. We appreciate that because it bumps us up in the leaderboards on this one. I'm not saying it because I want our show to be so prominent, but rather that the message of this particular show is more prominently displayed. And then you can share it on your social media so people can see one. These are good people doing good work. Number two, I can imagine there's probably hundreds of hours that it took to be able to put together all those comments. Would that be accurate, Aaron? I I spent a few nights doing this. Yeah. <laughs> So sitting up there and putting this comment section together so that it has relevance is important. When we talked about, he said deep state a moment ago, I always tell people that the uh, the origins of the deep state go back to probably 1946 with the Administrative Procedures Act. But so that you know, what happens is Congress delegates their authority to administrative agencies that fall under the executive branch. And they do so because they say, we're Congress, we pass budgets and we pass broad stroke laws, do this thing. But when it comes to the specifics of how you do your job, we are going to leave it to these agencies under the APA, and we are going to let you write laws that you propose to yourselves and then you carry out with a public comment period, which is required. And we are going to make our own laws to run our own agencies. That's what these laws, these rules are. They're rules that masquerade as law. They are not passed by Congress. And so they're going to suggest what they want to do, in this case, defend their own programs. And by doing so, they're going to try to hide the stuff that makes them look bad. That's what you are commenting on. You are looking at getting ready to push back against the administrative procedure, deep state action of defending the agency from its own mistakes by trying to cover it up with these quote unquote rule changes that have the effect of law. And that's what's going on there. There are simply two steps. You literally copy it. You click on the uh, the registry. You paste in the comment. You say anonymous. You saw Ryan did one on the show. It only took a few seconds as Aaron was speaking through it with background. That's what you can do if you're looking for tangible action. Rather than be black-pilled and sit in the corner or overwhelmed by circumstances, what we would call it, where you sit still and you rock yourself to sleep and you put a thumb in your mouth, you can do it as an adult. The adult move is how do we step into the gap and do something that matters? The uh, the Truth Trench website actually says save time digging. You're, you're digging specifically and you are doing the work specifically where it is required, where it actually will have an effect. And the effect is move the needle by making thousands and thousands of federal comments that they have to address because they are articulated in a specific way. That's how you move the needle here. And uh, maybe you guys can wrap up by saying, is there a way for people to actually sign up to be sponsors of children? Is that something, if somebody has it in their heart to do that, that they can they can sponsor, if either you know? Okay, so yes, and it's a lengthy, complicated process. So you first have to become like foster um, certified through your state, but that's not enough. You then have to go through a program by HHS. So they don't allow just anyone to be a sponsor of the unaccompanied child. So unless you're an illegal alien who happens to be affiliated with the cartel, is that correct? Exactly. Okay. How in the world does that happen then? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. There are very, very few, citizens who actually are able to get the children so they're they're going to you know bad people rapidly that's crazy all that's crazy but people can go through the process what is there a website that they would refer to for that for that certification to be a, a foster 
they should, yeah, just start at their site. And of course, every state is different. So you need to start at your state through your state government, find out what all those rules are and follow those. And then I do want to say other one other important point, Kyle, because, you know, you're sponsored by Catholic Vote and most people who are Catholic are not pro-abortion. There is one other thing about this program. They test every girl for pregnancy if she's pregnant. So all these children, hundreds of thousands of children coming across the border, these girls are pregnancy tested and then they're counseled for abortion and your dollars are paying for those abortions too. And I think that's something that, you know, that's not one of the things we talk about a lot, but it is one of the evils of the program that they are taking these vulnerable children because they're in the care of the state. The government is the, you know, they have custody. And I witnessed with my own eyes, I didn't even know this was happening until partway through my deployment. I witnessed with my own eyes them arrange abortions for two of the girls back and forth on a phone like, hey, hey, yep, yep, you got two beds. Okay, great. We need to get them over there. Okay, great. Now, here's the key. Sponsor must not know. Are we clear? Sponsor must not know. So that means your federal dollars are hiding from potentially parents, potentially their aunt, you know, from knowing what the federal government has done to them. And emotionally, we all know the consequences of women who who do have abortion. They need help. And they're never so, going to be the same. They that will age, never be the that, same. That journey so I, itself is is the damage. So yeah. The, and this is this so. is another just yet another argument. I'll, I'll come right to you, Aaron. That this yet another argument for shutting down this border because the only way that you stop this, Aaron, you've you've told me this and I agree with it. The only way you get this thing to stop, you're not going to stop people from being rapists. They are rapists or they're not. They've chosen that life. But what you can do is dry up the supply by shutting down the demand side. We're the demand side of it by shutting the border. You won't have people coming in here in the same way, which is at least going to eliminate some of these horrific experiences of human beings that are going through just uh, hell on earth uh, traveling up that route. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, Aaron. Yeah, so there was a comment that said, um, should we edit them? Absolutely. If you want to, you totally can. If you're pressed for time, you don't have to at all. But what Tara just said is part of it. If abortion matters to you, when you're on that truthtrench.org slash defend the children's site, Control F, look for a word that you care about, abortion, abuse, waivers, transnational, like look up words you want to find. There are comments that are going to talk about these things because this is the this is part of it. HHS prioritizes the transfer of kids. Once they get to somewhere, they will move the kid if they need to out of a state that doesn't allow abortions. So Missouri has a pretty, I think, a pretty strict ban on abortions. Let's say there's an HHS camp that's there and these kids are sitting there. Oh, looks like Maria here is pregnant. Well, we're going to move her out of the state into uh, California where she can go get her abortion. And they will they will prioritize the movement of children to do so. They will split up siblings for the one to get an abortion. Like the nature of this happening is insane. And it does talk about the rule change talks about like and also the rules as itself. It says things like, you know, oh, yeah, we, we bring in counseling. We bring in services, talk about, you know, abortion. No, they bring in Planned Parenthood. That's it. Yep. They don't bring in the clergy. There's, there's no, no, no priest comes in to talk about like, you know, all these things. So mental health professionals talking to kids about abortion. So again, if you care about just certain subjects, look them up again, the big ones, abortion, abortion, abuse, uh, waivers, 
like background check waivers, home study waivers. These things are rampant throughout this program and they are written to inside of these comments. So if you're pressed for time, feel free to do the first five. If you only care about certain things, look for those things, leave the comments. And if, if you, God, God willing, God bless you. If you do, if you have the time, if you have the energy and the, the hate in your heart towards this evil, please do all 94. Please tell your friends, your family, your church. Um, I promise you it's not hard. It's, it's actually very simple. Yeah, we just had somebody in the chat say they've just done five already while we were sitting here talking about it. So folks, it's it's not a, it's not a ton of time. We got five and a half days to be able to put these on there. That's what we're doing. Please share this message. We're gonna have a short version of the of the instructions and the plea that we'll cut out and we'll throw it on Twitter. So if you're not following on Twitter, it's at Kyle Serafin. If you're following on True Social, at Kyle Serafin. There, uh, you guys want to give out your handles and where they can follow you and where they should uh, should go for more information. And we'll wrap this thing up. But I really appreciate you both coming on today. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at. Tara Lee Rodas on Twitter. You can follow me there. That's pretty much the only place that I post things regarding this program. You'll be able to see a lot of things about the program there. And I just want to give a real sincere thanks to Kyle. So thank you, Kyle. And thanks to all your listeners. And if you will do a comment, you're standing up for a child. So thank you. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, called out at, at called out DHS because I called out DHS on Twitter underscores in between. Um, I also, uh, I obviously I follow all the spendables. So every now and then you'll see me in the comments, pushing back against people that they're pushing back against. Um, you guys are good at it. I love it. I learn a lot from you guys every day. Um, and my, my final thing is, uh, again, it's, you know, don't be lukewarm, be hot or cold, do, you know, be in it or don't even bother, I guess, but it's, it's very simple. The kids really need you to be in the way of what's happening to them. And we hope you guys do. I appreciate both you guys stepping in here. Thank you both for uh, stepping into the mission, following that calling. I know that the chat has also said the same thing. So, uh, folks, if you'll share this as much as you can, we really appreciate it. I'm going to do a, uh, a final plug for my buddy who's also done the right thing at the right time. Uh, you see we're wearing some Suspendables merch here. If you guys want to go to support the O'Boyle family sweatshop, keeping his kids working their fingers to the bone. We say that jokingly. There's no trafficking going on. It's just Garrett sweating over these things. But uh, it is the-suspendables.com, the-suspendables.com. You can pick up any of our merch. It's uh, <laughs> keeping a family's lights on in the cold winter of Wisconsin uh, he, he keeps hitting me up and he's like, every time you read it, then more people put in orders. And I was like, yeah, that's the idea. That's how a business works. My friend, uh, it's, it's keeping him working on a regular basis. So guys, keep it up. The thing we showed yesterday, which I think is really cool. Uh, you're seeing in the bottom corner there of the screen. These are the patches. The patches are really neat. There's going to be a deal on them. There's a couple of them that are put together, but the Eagle is down is the way we say it. That's what we're saying here at the uh, suspendables. Many of you guys know it Eagle down. The Eagles down is uh, both amusing as a radio type statement, but it's also true. The Eagle is down right now in this country. And if we want to keep freedom flying, we got to support each other, let people know who you are. This tells people in a big way, like everybody thinks you're something. They're going to ask you questions when you wear these shirts out, if you wear the hoodies out, if you wear the patches or the hats or any of that stuff. So definitely do it. As you see, uh, Tara was wearing the pin all day today. You can still get three of those for 30 bucks. I think the shipping is free. You can use the promo code. My name, Kyle. I think it gets you 10% off there as well. Uh, simply just to let them know that we are the one who sent you over, but we appreciate you supporting that. And also our last one here, we'll say, uh, you can go to mypillow.com slash Kyle. I've been seeing you guys put in orders. I get a little update whenever you guys spend it. My wife is shocked that people buy towels and pillows and slippers and all the things from Mike Lindell as often as you guys do, but go to mypillow.com slash Kyle. If you want to do something from there, you can use our promo code just as good as anybody else's promo code, but it supports the Kyle Seraphim 
show. So if you're planning on making a MyPillow purchase for any of the holiday stuff or if you need some uh, some household goods, check them out. Use promo code Kyle or just MyPillow.com slash Kyle. It'll auto load it in there. And when you go to the website, MyPillow.com slash Kyle, there's actually an 800 number. You can call and tell them who you're calling from. They actually will individually help you select things out. They're super nice. And people like they actually have US based like tech support for ordering. If you're that kind of a person, if you're like not a website person, you just got questions and you want to ask, they are there. Uh, they're all, all the time there and they're really nice people, which is wild. They were telling me that there's an individualized 800 number if you go to the uh, the, the webpage we just told you. So go figure. Uh, anyway, that is it for our show today. We're going to do a couple of thank yous. I know we had a bunch of uh, Rumble rants that popped in there. So let's read a couple of them. Uh, T Zibbit, who is always good for it, throw in says, uh, thank you, Aaron and Tara for your work. Uh, let's go in the chat and get this done. Chad Zodi said, uh, this show is doing God's work. We appreciate that. We do our best to do so. And hopefully, uh, it's illuminated some things for you and given you some action calls. Eric Jason saying, smash the like button. Do not comply. God wins my buddy. Uh, follow him at Eric Jason on true social. He runs our suspendables little team there on true social and at whatever 007 says, do we need to edit the comments slightly, which we addressed? So there it is. Thanks to all of you guys for, for putting your contributions in there. Thanks to all of you who are in the chat. Let's do a five-star review. We've got from Apple. If you guys want to go to uh, the website, you can actually do it in the show notes and you can leave us a five-star review, which we do very much appreciate this one coming from moon goddess three, one, six, from earlier in November, says, finally, real time, real experiences, real truth. The hashtag suspendables are putting it all on the line, sharing intimate details about their FBI and their real life experiences as patriotic as a patriotic American. I'm forever grateful. Uh, we're grateful for you as a listener. We really are. We do appreciate that you've given us a forum and a voice, and you've shared some of these things out here. Uh, looks like we got one more rumble rant, which Ryan wanted to throw on the screen here. The 007, again, whatever 007 saying, there's no calling in this world that's clear or more compelling than the need to protect children. So if you guys want to leave a comment, you guys know how to do it. Truthtrench.org slash defend the children. We will post that on my website. Uh, I will share it again from all of their social medias and follow these folks. We appreciate it, folks. Thanks for joining us for today's show. We will see you again tomorrow on Thursday. And God bless you. Do the right thing out there. Go out there and be an accomplice. you got people leading the way. They've asked for your help. Please be part of it. We really appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.